Hello, hola, and konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Vreeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the curtain jerkers. Of course, I'm talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. This weekend, coming up, the UFC is heading to Sao Paulo, Brazil for Blankovic versus Jacare in an exciting light heavyweight main event. But as those of you who frequent the show know, we will not be talking about that fight whatsoever. That's right, we are only focused on the prelim portion of the card. And now for those of you who are new to the show and might be wondering to yourself, why do that? Why not focus on this exciting main event? The answer is quite simple. The answer is because we know that you already probably have really strong feelings about what's going on in that main event. You might be big on Jacare, you might be big on Blankovic. You also probably have a couple of podcasts or places where you go to get the breakdown of the main card. But you probably don't have somewhere where you go for the prelims and that's why we're here Because we really feel like there's lots of money to be won on the prelims, either in daily fantasy sports or in gambling. And speaking of daily fantasy sports, I would be remiss if I did not mention that the prelim primer is exclusively brought to you by BSMMA.com. BSMMA.com is changing the way we play daily fantasy sports for MMA because they are simplifying everything that we do. No longer do you have to worry about pesky salary caps or weird scoring systems that you don't understand. Instead, all you got to do is you got to pick five winners five methods the way that they win in five rounds in which they win that's it you pick those things you watch your points rack up and if you're interested in getting in on that right away they have a guaranteed prize pool contest that you can get on right now for just five dollars so head on over to bsma.com get in on that and they've got some free games too get on those free games too now to help you out with those picks over on bsma.com i have once again enlisted the help of a savvy co-host Joining me today from Fansided MMA is Drake Riggs. Drake, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me on again, man. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, and it's going to be a pleasure for these ones too because these prelims are absurdly loaded, especially (laughs) for a regional card. Um, But as you guys know, we always have to start each and every round by putting five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Sergio Marias versus James Krause. So, Marias is actually on a two-fight losing streak, most recently getting KO'd by Alves back in May. Uh, Krause, on a five-fight win streak, most recently TKOing that same Warley Alves. But that was a year ago, uh, actually a year ago, back from August. So, Krause seems to be on one hell of a run. It's a five-fight win streak right now. But can you really claim that he's got momentum going when that five-fight win streak is over, like, such large gaps of time? Uh, I think so, and it's kind of a special case with him, I think, because of the fact that he is also, you know, the head coach of Glory. Um, so I think that that kind of takes away any rust that he could have or anything like that for in inactivity-wise, because he's always working, you know, and no matter what, because of all the stuff that he's doing outside of himself actually fighting. So I think that he still does have the momentum going, and you know, he rides off of his team's momentum as well, which you know they're always doing pretty good, Glory MMA. Uh, in Kansas City or Lee Summit, that area. <laughs> um, so I think that, uh, yeah, James is still, and you know, I think he realizes, like, yeah, you know, I still got these wins, so he can use it as his own confidence, even though, you know, not too recently. And he's really comfortable with his position uh, of whether he ever fights again or not. So, I mean, I think that it's just kind of, you know, another thing for him, and he's he's totally uh, in the moment, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And, and being that he does have, like you said, if you believe that that momentum is kicking, where do you see his advantage here against Marais being the biggest? Um, well, I think 
from a fight perspective, uh, probably in the striking department on the feet, you know, Sergio, fantastic on the ground and uh, at, at a point was on a crazy, you know, winning streak, you know, it was kind of split by that draw, but he wasn't losing until he ran into Kamaru Usman, which is, you know, reasonable. And then his most recent two losses, kind of like, man, we don't see this guy lose too much. And now he's on the skid. Uh, he'll be, he's kind of backed into a corner at home, too, and against James. Um, I think he's going to really need to be aggressive against Kraus, who uh, in his last fight was really just a, one of the best performances I think that we've seen from James. Uh, you know, it's very calm and calculated. Uh, very, it was a very tactical, kind of slow, methodical striking performance, and he just, you know, ended up dismantling Alves essentially before he landed that beautiful knee uh, to get the knockout. So I think that because of the situation that. Uh, Sergio is in where he kind of needs this win a lot more than James does, uh, obviously. If he comes in aggressive and then James fights how he did in his last fight, uh, that's going to be very dangerous for Sergio coming in where he'll get countered and just pieced up and under Krause's plan. Uh, so he'll want to take it to the ground, of course. But, yeah, I think the advantages are pretty clear. Um, you know, Sergio on the mat and then on the feet for James. Yeah, and I think the way that you drew up that fight, too, makes it very difficult for Sergio Marias to wind up in top position because James is so methodical. He is mm-hmm. ready for the takedown all the time. You know, he, he's not winging shots that are going to put him, you know, make him vulnerable to that takedown. So for that reason, I'm leaning Kraus, and I actually think he probably gets him out of here. How about you? Yeah, yeah I got to agree with that. I think that he's just, like I said earlier, you know, he's just so comfortable with where he is right now, and he's really open to anything and there's pretty much no pressure on him here aside from the fact you know going to enemy territory which you know that's kind of hit or miss on if it affects you and i think he's he's cool enough and calm to you know just kind of absorb that maybe and be fine with it yeah absolutely and and let's move on to the second fight which is going to talk a little bit about the headspace of a fighter as well and that's francisco trinaldo versus bobby green so trinaldo one and two in his last three he lost to james vick then ko'd evan dunham and then followed that up with a loss to alexander hernandez by decision bobby green is one one and one in his last three he drew with lando venata beat eric coach and then lost by decision to drakar Closa. after that fight green talked about retiring and even announced his retirement on social media are you at all concerned about his headspace going into this fight? Uh, absolutely, especially against a guy like Francisco Trinaldo, who I think is still incredibly underrated. I don't think he gets enough love. He was on, what, a seven or fight, eight, eight fight winning streak uh, at a point. And, you know, it's like, come on, let's give this guy some appreciation, get him a top 10 guy. And then they got him there, you know, he had a little bit of a skid, um, you know, with the Vic fight and the, uh, the other one there that you mentioned. And now here he is going against Bobby Green, who... I mean, we've seen, if you watch Trinaldo, the thing is, you know, you see how powerful he is, even though he's like, what, 41 years old now. I mean, this guy is a top lightweight still, and he can he can really go uh, anywhere that he can fight anywhere that the fight takes place. Um, and against Bobby Green, who it's just been a weird career for him. And I think that he's still, I'm pretty sure he holds the record for most uh, fight cancellations in the UFC uh, with about 13 or something insane. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, this is a very, very tough matchup for Bobby when he's, uh, you know, mulling over, retiring. Um, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and in addition to that, too, you know, you mentioned the heavy hands of Francisco Trinaldo. Bobby Green is not a guy who's afraid to take a shot to give mm-hmm. one either, which is what worries me the most in this fight, right? Like, if he's going to take shots from Francisco Trinaldo regularly, 
I don't have a lot of faith in that. And I also, I think, you know, when you mentioned that he's underrated, he's also underrated in his wrestling game, Trinaldo. Oh, yeah. You know, like, he has got a pretty impressive wrestling game when he chooses to go to it. So even if Green does tag him on the feet, I think he's got a backup plan here. And I'm going to go with Trinaldo, uh, probably taking him out of here, too. I'm going to go TKO uh, sometime late in the second or early in the third round. How about you? Yeah, well, you just mentioned, like, his his, his grappling is also great. I He's just so strong. I think that the thing that I always remember when you when you right when you said that the picture that came into my head was when he scooped up Ross Pearson like just by a single leg and just literally threw him onto the ground like he made it look so easy. It's like, geez, not a lot of people do that to Ross Pearson. Obviously, he's not known for his grappling, but I mean, he made it look really easy. He's very strong. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I think I I agree with that assessment. I think this fight could be kind of similar to um you know the Dustin Poirier Bobby Green fight, even though. Uh, Trinaldo's obviously his technique isn't as sharp as Poirier's as very few people have as good of boxing as Poirier does in the division um but yeah I think it'll be similar to that fight just extend it a bit to yeah maybe a second round or so uh I could even see Trinaldo finish him on the ground with some ground and pound or something like that but I can't go against Trinaldo here all right well that's going to do it at the end of the first round we're going to go quick to our sponsors and then we'll be right back with round number two Look, my favorite part of daily fantasy sports is beating the snot out of my friends. And BSMMade.com has got the best way for you to beat the snot out of your friends with their create a contest option because it's fully customizable. What you can do is you can set up a contest with your code to invite whatever friends you want and you can make that contest as big or as small as you want. You can, you can have seemingly unlimited amount of competitors in it or you can just make it head to head with you and a buddy. You can also decide how much you want to wager on that. Maybe you want to put, you know, a a small entry fee. Maybe you want a really big entry fee. You might also want a big prize pool or a small prize pool. Maybe you want the payout structures to change. It's completely up to you with the customizable create a contest option. So check it on out at bsmma.com. Now let's head back for round number two. And we are back with round number two. Going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Warley Alves versus Randy Brown. So Alves is 2-1. and one. We, we both mentioned his fights with Sergio Marias and James Krause, who was fighting earlier on the card. Before that, he stopped Sultan Aliyev. Uh, Randy Brown, 2-1 and one in his last three fights. He beat Mickey Gall, lost to Nico Price in one of the craziest KOs I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And then he TKO'd uh, Brian Barberena. So I sort of love what I've seen from Randy Brown's grappling as of late, especially in the Price and Gall fights. Should he or could he even grapple with Warley Alves here? Um, hmm. Should he? I don't know. Could he? Yeah, probably could. Uh, but it's a little dangerous. You know, Warley Alves may be most known for being the only guy to beat Colby Covington with a guillotine. Uh, but also, you know, he he's very good in his own right. Just has, uh, you know, lost a couple weird spots here and there. Has Still has great potential, I think. But, uh, you know, his, his momentum is slowed down, definitely. Um, but yeah, as for the grappling, I, yeah, I mean, you know, Randy, why not? I think he could try. He's a very big welterweight. Um, I'm pretty sure he should have like the height and reach advantages here. I know that Alves isn't super long and Randy Roan is, you know, kind of one of those guys who we always think like, oh, he's always larger than his opponents for the most part, uh, when it comes to length. Um, and you know, in the grappling, I think he could get him up against the cage and, you know, control him a bit. Uh, if he takes him down, I don't know about that, but I think he can have success in that area for sure. Do you think that that's a, an avenue that he'll try to explore? Because, like I said, he has been grappling definitely more in the last few fights than he did earlier in his career. 
But, like, do you think he just turns that off here and turns this into a striking match? Uh, no, I think he'll mix it up pretty well. I think he's he's kind of a – he's got a pretty good fight IQ. And uh, just, you know, I think that he might be more interested in striking, though, just because of, you know, he finished Brian Barbarina in his last fight. And, you know, not a lot of people do that. Barbarina is one of the toughest guys in the whole division, especially to finish. We've seen him take some insane shots before. Uh, you know, the Luke fight, and, you know, I think, yeah, there's just plenty of moments where Barbarina has had his chin tested, and Randy Brown was able to finish him. Um, so, yeah, I think it'll be a pretty fair mix in this one. I think if anyone's actually going to be trying to grapple more, it might be Worley, just because I think he just wants, like, a win at home, even though he, he's coming off, you know, the Sergio win uh, in Brazil again. I think he wants to get, you know, back on a streak again like he was. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me, but that leads us to our final question in this one. Who do you got, and how do you got them? Uh, it's a tough one. This is kind of uh, maybe my toss-up for the, the prelims here. Um, hmm. It's tough. I think I think I will go. Uh, I'll go with Randy Brown. I, I was really impressed with his last win. Um, I think it's going to be very close, though. Uh, I don't know about a decision uh, about a finish. I mean, um, I think. Yeah, I think it'll be a decision for Randy Brown, but it's going to be a very good one. Yeah, you, you kind of stole my prediction from me right there, too. I'm going to go with Randy Brown by decision. I just think he mixes it up too much to uh, mm-hmm. lose a decision here to, to Warley Alves. And that's going to bring me to the fight that I'm actually the most intrigued with on the prelims, and that's Ricardo Ramos versus Eduardo Garagori. So Ramos is 4-1 and one in the UFC, kind of quietly. He rebounded from his only loss in his UFC career to Syed Nurmagomedov um, with a victory over Journey Newsom in his next fight. Garagori is only 1-0 in the UFC. He won a decision over Humberto Bendene in his debut, and he looked really good in doing some. So I, I have this as an early pick for fight of the night. Mm-hmm. Tell people why listeners should be excited about seeing Ramos fight Garagori. Uh, because it's going to be war. <laughs> Just put it plain. <laughs> plain and simply, these guys should go right after each other. And I think that the fact that Hamos, uh, uh, he's going up to featherweight here again, going back to featherweight, I should say, uh, you know, I think he's going to feel a lot better. I mean, if you're not cutting weight, you should feel a lot better. <laughs> I mean, it just seems like simple math, right? And then Garagori, uh, undefeated, the only Uru- Uruguayan, is that how you would say that? <laughs> the only Uruguayan fighter in the UFC uh, just got that win at home in his debut. Uh, he's going to want to keep his, you know, what he's got going for him. And against somebody who's a very notable prospect, I think that Hamos, his momentum has slowed down a little bit, especially, well, ap- after his, uh, that crazy spinning back elbow we had against Eamon Zahabi. Uh, that's a tough thing to match afterwards. So I think it may- might not be fair to say that his <laughs> spotlight has slowed down on him or been taken off a bit because, you know, of course, you- it's going to be tough to match that. Um, but yeah, this is a fight where I think that both guys should be highly motivated to get the win here. I mean, Hamo's at home also, uh, back at featherweight, and then Garagori just kind of, you know, trying to put his country on the map uh, even further. Yeah, and, and I'm, it's weird that you – not weird. It, it's telling that you brought up the, the spinning back elbow because that is what got him all the hype. But I think it's worth noting that I think he was losing that fight to Ayman yeah. Zahabi until the third mm-hmm. round. So, like, a lot of people have that as his, like – you know, his sort of big win, but it, it's a striking match largely that he was losing. So in that way, I think at Bantamweight, we were overrating his striking a tiny bit, which is maybe why, you know, as he's he's moving back up, he he should look even better than he did down mm-hmm. there. Um, How do you think that his striking does match up against Garagori, though? Does Garagori here as a, an underdog have any play? Yeah, I think that I think it should be pretty even, honestly. I think that the equalizer will be um, uh, Hamos if he like just looks to take things to the ground, which I think he 
he might want to do that just because I think Eric Gray, that might be his weak spot, uh, even though he's not like the most refined striker or anything. But, you know, obviously very dangerous and got the upset over, I think we could call it an upset over Humberto Bandanai in his last fight. Um, yeah, I think it'll be, it should be pretty even for the most part. It'll be pretty wild, I think. <laughs> Nothing too clean going on. Not a crazy, uh, a, a chess match or anything. But, um, yeah, that's how I see it. All right. And how do you, uh, which one are you going with? It's hard for me not to go against Hamos here just because of the experience that he has against, you know, better competition. Um, and then, you know, going back to Featherweight, I think he's going to feel just, you know, physically a lot better. But I do like Garagori a lot. I think he's still, um, it's a very winnable fight for him. But, um, I just think that when you look at the whole resumes and everything, uh, Hamos, you know, he's got just more experience in the bank. Yeah, I, I'm gonna disagree with you on this one. I'm gonna go with Garagori mm. uh, for for my pick, mostly just because I think that his sub skills could come into play too if if Ramos does go for the takedown. Um, but ultimately, I think it's gonna be such a fun fight on the feet that it, it doesn't really matter which one wins. Mm. Uh, and that's gonna do it for the end of our second round. We're gonna head to our third round after a quick break and a talk from our sponsors. We already talked about how BSMMA.com is changing the way you play daily fantasy sports. They're doing it by simplifying everything, making it so that you just have to pick five winners regardless of a salary cap. You got to pick the rounds they win and you got to pick how they win. That's it. You watch the points rack up. But they also want to reward you for knowing how the fight's going to go. If you're a really knowledgeable MMA fan and maybe you know one of these fighters is going to hit a dozen takedowns in the fight. They've got bonuses to prove that you know better than somebody else. So you're going to slap on that takedown bonus. You're going to get some extra points for every takedown they have. They've got them for knockdowns, early knockouts, flawless fights. There's all kinds of bonuses in there. Learn about them all at bsma.com and get making your picks today. Now, let's head on back for round number three. And we are back with round number three. We've got three fights to talk about in this final round, so we're going to do so a little extra quickly. But first, we've got to put five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Douglas Andrade versus Henan Barrow. Andrade, only one and two in his last three. He got submitted by Rob Font. He then beat Marlon Vera before being stopped by Peter Jan. Hedden Barrow has lost four in a row to Aljamain Sterling, Brian Kelleher, Andre Yule, and Luke Sanders. His last one was in 2016 against Felipe Nover. Mm. Is Barrow now just the guy who you automatically write off every time you see him on a UFC fight card? Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> I really cannot believe that this is happening. I thought that I thought that they would have gave him his walking papers after the last fight. Um you know, it's it sucks to see somebody who was in the spot that Burrell was just drop off so significantly. The, the biggest drop off in all of MMA history, I think it's yeah. fair to say. I mean, gosh, it's Dana White yeah. was saying he was the pound for pound great for a moment. You know? I, yeah, I know it's insane. Uh, <laughs> now look at him. Yeah, I mean, he, not too long later either. Is yeah, the it, it's worth noting too. He's one in six in the UFC since uh, USADA got implemented. You know, like you don't want to call bum, a bum. fighter for that, but like. <laughs> You know, call a spade a spade here. Uh, I think Adraj probably gets him out in the first round because he's got power in his hands. How about yep. you? Yeah, yeah, I can't, I can't disagree with that. And I mean, even that Peter Yan fight was very, very. It was pretty competitive. You know, obviously he got stopped in that one, but he was hanging with Peter Yan, and then he's going to, you know, no offense to Brown. Now it's like, goodness, man, why? They couldn't have matched him with somebody else. <laughs> like, ugh. Yeah, that's brutal. 
All right, let's let's talk about one that's a little less brutal than that. Let's talk about Ariane Lipsky versus Veronica Macedo. So Lipsky, 0-2 in the UFC. After coming in with a lot of hype, she lost to Molly McCann and Joanne Calderwood. Macedo broke a three-fight losing streak last time out by armbarring Pollyanna Viana. Uh, her losses are to Jillian Robertson, uh, Adri- or, uh, Andrea Lee, and Ashley Evans-Smith. So this is sort of the third straight fight where Lipsky is fighting somebody who is primarily a striker, but might also hold a grappling advantage over her. Do you think Macedo goes to the grappling here? Um, hmm. I don't know. I think, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure if it will. Um, I could see that obviously, but man, just to touch on Lipsky, man, how sad. This is another sad thing for me (laughs) because I mean, gosh, she, I mean, obviously all the hype was on her for good reason. Uh, as a worldwide flyweight before coming in the UFC, she was, you know, top seven in my book. Some people thought she was the best flyweight in the world, which, you know, might have been a little bit of a stretch, obviously. But, man, she's just been kind of exposed. I hate to say it. She's been exposed since coming to the UFC, specifically with that last fight against Molly McCann. This is the ground game. Uh, I mean, she's had success on the ground before in KSW and stuff, but now it's just, like, gone. It's, it's really it's, it's such a bummer to see because you want to see these, these fighters come in and do well and show that they belonged uh, in the spots that they people thought they would be or were um so yeah as for the ground game though uh Macedo taking it there I don't know I mean I think that this could kind of be a pretty fun striking matchup for the most part unless Macedo gets in trouble or you know they get in the clinch and then she just kind of naturally the instincts take over and looks for a throw and gets her to the ground um other than that I don't think she's going to try for it I think if it just happens that's how we'll see things end up on the ground and I kind of like Macedo here, even if it does stay striking, because I think she's got a little bit of a power advantage. Because, uh, you know, Lipsky is, is more of a technical striker, not necessarily hurting all that many people with her strikes. And, and I think Macedo probably looks better there. And with Lipsky probably not going to, like, you know, we said Macedo's definitely got, like, the wrestling or takedown advantage here. I think she's going to feel more free with her strikes, too. I, I'm leaning Macedo. How about you? Uh, I might have to disagree with you on the uh, on the power thing there. Uh, Lipsky's, you know, plenty of uh, TKOs and hurt plenty of opponents in KSW. But, yeah, definitely, I think that technique-wise, I actually, I might lean towards Maceda a little bit backwards here. Um, just because she's got a lot of, her range of uh, attacks is also a lot more varied. She throws in, like, a lot of sidekicks and spinning stuff. Not a lot of spinning stuff, but she's, you know, definitely versatile in that regard. And Lipsky just kind of, you know... She's a violence queen. She'll just make it ugly as as ugly as she can <laughs> with whatever she can. Uh, also, more more elbows and stuff like that. Not as much spinning things or kicks, um, unless they're leg kicks. But um, yeah, I I think that uh, it, it's kind of tough because you know Macedo. I think she got kind of a rough rough end her first three opponents um, where she wasn't getting the wins there on that streak. You know, not no slouches in there. Um, so she was kind of thrown to the wolves a bit. And I mean. I think some some injury stuff would like cause the cause the opponents to be switched around and all that. But here she is. It's a winnable fight. But I think that you know Lipsky kind of she's back to the corner this time. So uh, I got I got still got hope for the violence queen. I think she'll turn it turn it around. Um, I don't know about a finish though. Probably a, a competitive decision. All right, and I'm gonna go with Macedo by decision and differ with you again here. And that brings us to our last fight, which speaking of injury replacements, this fight started off as Duda Santana versus Leah Letson, and now we're getting Vanessa Mello versus Tracy Cortez at bantamweight. <laughs> 
which is just <laughs> a weird mix. Uh, so Mello owned one in the UFC. She lost to Irina Adalna in her debut, which I'm pretty sure was also on short notice. And then yep. we got Tracy Cortez, who's 6-1, making her UFC debut. She fought uh, Maria Agapova in the Contender Series back in July, and she got a contract off of that. Now, obviously, it's a late-notice fight for both of them. Mello is on later notice. Cortez is up a weight class. Who's more affected by those circumstances? Um, well, I think that it is mellow now, but I'll tell you right now, fucking, um, <laughs> Cortez, she, she, uh, she dodged a bullet by losing the Santana fight because Santana coming down from feather, well, not featherweight. She's been a featherweight a lot larger. There was a big size difference there. Um, so very, very, I think she lucked out by getting this change here, but mellow, you know, the short notice again for her first two fights. Now we're going to be on these short notice. Uh, situation so i think that that definitely is going to affect her a bit more you know just just because there's less time on her side yeah and and i think you're 100 percent right cortez dodged a bullet especially because like her forward pressure and physicality is kind of like one of the things she leans mm-hmm. on when she's in trouble so the fact that she was going to fight somebody where she 100 percent wasn't going to be able to use those things <laughs> yeah was just going to be absolute trouble for her but i think she probably can here even though Melo is a natural 135er and she's going to be coming up a weight class. I still think she's got the ability here to beat her. So I'm going to go with Cortez by decision. How about you? Yeah, I think I'm going to stick with that one as well, uh, Tracy. Um, yeah, she, she. I just think she's kind of a little bit better than Melo, uh, just overall. Uh, but, you know, she's also – she's not very big for – even flyweight. She's not a big flyweight, mm-hmm. but um, – yeah, here we are. I think that she's just more skilled, so I will take her as well. All right, and that's going to do it for all seven of our prelim fights. I want to thank Drake again for stopping by. Couldn't have done it without you, Drake. Yeah, thank you so much, man. Always a good time.